welcome to our first road trip diary all the year round, a monthly podcast about British and Irish literature and culture in the 19th century. I'm your host, Emma Probert, and I research literary connections between Austen and Gaspel and the novel of manners, alongside my co-host, Dr Hayley Flynn, who researches dream and periodicals in the 19th century. If you'd like to see the sites that we visited during this episode, you can follow us on social media at all year round pod on twitter and instagram which are linked in our description or you can watch this episode on youtube at victorianism now on with the show okay welcome to our very first road trip episode of all the year round today we are going to visit george Eliot country so it's between kind of the border of leicester and warwickshire it's in nuneaton yeah it's not not too far from where i live we're not too far from where Le- I live either. No, we're in Leicester now, and it's kind of a nice summer day. It's not particularly sunny, but at least it's dry, which is um, better than positive for the last few days. Particularly since uh, this time we're trialling out lapel mics, so hopefully it stays nice and dry for us. Yeah. We hope you enjoy coming along with us. Yeah, and we should see you next at Griff House. Okay, so we've just arrived at Griff House which actually came up on us really suddenly. I wasn't expecting the turn, and then there was just a, a yeah for the beef eater. Yeah, in my head, I because I've just been looking at pictures of the outbuildings and the house in the 1960s, that was what was in my mind, and it wasn't until you were like, it says we're there. I was like, oh, we're looking for a premier in beef eater. There it is. And it was quite a sharp right turn, I think. Yeah, so if you're planning to come here, just... Be aware that it, it comes upon you quite suddenly, and it's quite hidden by trees as well, the turn yeah. until you get right right up to it. But yeah, we're just sitting in the car now. We haven't actually gone up to the building yet, but it looks pretty from the outside. It does, and we thought that we'd just like, have a really, really quick note of the history of Griff House. Yeah, so why are we actually here at a beef eater for George <laughs> Eliot? <laughs> so the building of Griff House has existed for a number of centuries. Uh, George Eliot isn't actually the first famous person to have lived at Griff House. Uh, Yeah, there was an 18th century engineer called Henry Baton. Uh, He's the creator of a plane table for the county of Warwickshire, which was published in 1728. That's a scale of one inch to one mile, so he did the whole county. So Robert Evans, who was Marianne Evans' father, Mm -hmm. they originally lived on a large farm house on Arbour Estate, So Robert Evans moved here with his young family in 1820 to Griff House. And he lived here for nearly 22 years until he and his youngest child, Marianne, better known as George Eliot, moved over to Coventry in 1841. So the house has seen some alterations in recent years. I mean, yeah, I'm slightly nervous about how many alterations. Yeah. So, okay. (laughs) The building is actually a listed building. On the 6th of December, 1947, it was made a grade two listed building. So there must be some things which stay the same. So we know that um, Whitbread um, basically bought up the space to use as part of the um, restaurant hotel chain, which has now become sort of the classic combination of Premier Inn and Beef Eater. So there are parts of the building which I think should be original, and I think you were saying probably has some some cladding to it because structurally, there's a lot of things that you can't 
irrevocably alter yeah. or demolish. Yeah. So perhaps things that we're not necessarily going to be able to see, but they should be protected somewhere but it's underneath. There. The spirit of the building. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if we hug the walls real yeah. tight, we'll feel <laughs> the vibe of George Eliot. Um, so, th- yeah, some of the things we'll see. So the one thing that we do know is the flagstones are original. So those are uh, the paving stones of an entryway. So I guess we're going to go into a beef eater and stare at the floor. Okay, let's let's go. (laughs) And I have to mention, first of all, that it has actually become a nice sunny day. Yes, yes. (laughs) It's not even that humid. It's quite quite a nice breeze. Butterflies around. And I think it would be quite... um, quite scenic here if it wasn't for the fact that there's a very busy road next door so you can mainly just hit traffic yeah but thinking about the building because we're sort of like coming up on it it's difficult to know i think we're gonna have to look at some pictures of like the 1960s variation it's a very pretty building i do really want to go and see the um the original outhouses but from the pictures that we've seen, I do think they're going to be kind of tucked around the back. It looks like they are uh, by where they keep the bins. So we might, yes. we might be about to look a bit odd. But um, <laughs> and, do, and do you know what? <laughs> Let's go and explore. We might have to ask them where it is. <laughs> I have to get permission. But I was surprised to learn from one of the websites um, that we looked at when we were doing some initial reconnaissance uh, was that the manager's flat is is part of the building so that manager just gets to live in very lucky George Elliott's house okay so we have to be almost like sneaky architecture <laughs> people because I think this is the original is part of the original yeah yeah I agree definitely so you can actually see yeah I was just about to say you can see the change in the brick but they have tried to match it sort of yeah I mean, they did say they expanded it. So I think that this is like one side, there's the back bit. Oh, they have extended this quite far out, yeah. haven't they? A lot, I would say. And actually, if you look up from where we are now, which is we're kind of standing on the left-hand side, far left-hand side of the building, mm. um, even from the newer bit, if you look up above it, the windows above are obviously the original, with the original brick as well. So kind of, yeah, this building would have been a lot smaller looking than it actually is now, but I think still quite quite pretty, quite impressive looking. I think so. I kind of, I mean, the bit that we're looking at here has blinds, but looking over to the left at the lace curtains just up above this one little turret, looks very Victorian, very museum-like. And I've just looked a little bit further <gasps> to the left, and I think this I is think where... I think this is it! Yeah. Oh, wow! <laughs> oh, that's a really cool building. And actually, this side of... Oh! This is... Nice. Oh, there's a George Eliot flat in there. George Eliot lived here, March 1820 to March 1841, above the door. This does look like an area that people don't really come to. I know. I feel like there should be a sign that's like, go round, George Eliot history. I mean, I guess we have a kind of uh, beer garden situation. Sort of, but it's kind of um, the few... The few benches that are out here and umbrellas seem to be stacked almost like they're spares. That's well, true. There is a gazebo over there. Maybe this is just an extra space in the summer or something. Yes. The actual outbuilding is in a considerable state of disrepair. It's very cool looking, but the brickwork is 
severely cracked. It doesn't like it's had some kind of structural issues over time. I doubt yes. you can get in there now, to be honest. Well, I mean, it's padlocked, I assume, partially for safety, but there does look to be a mouse hole. So that does. At least somebody's living in there. <laughs> yeah. I am slightly wary of that broken glass up above, though, Haley. So maybe let's let's not stand directly underneath that. that. Yeah, actually, from the window, you can see there are holes in the roof. Oh, but, yeah. Like, you can see that where the, um, the wooden beams are going yeah. through the ceiling. It the does. building, as you turn around and walk away from that, looks, I think, even older. But I don't know whether that's just because it's potentially even more in a state of disrepair. The roof is... Is sagging. Yes, yes, the tiles have fallen in. <laughs> there is a little rubbing sitting on top of it right now, though, which is that, nice. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure if the microphones can pick it up, but if it doesn't, then just know that it sounds lovely. <laughs> yes, it does. Oh, and I see a bunch of bees oh, up near the little actually, door. So yeah, I think there's a beehive up there. I think that too. There's signs on the doors. Um, just to let everybody know, we are moving around <laughs> a quite impressive massive set of bins. The outbuildings are not actually protected underneath the grade two listing of the house. Oh yeah, because didn't they consider knocking them down? They did. Ago? It was one of the things that they were considering doing. They were considering knocking this down. I'm not sure if they wanted to use it to build actual modern storage space or not. Um, but that didn't actually go through. So there were protests about knocking down historical buildings because obviously it's the last almost untouched part of the estate. So they are still here, security alarmed, storage, but they are in a state of disrepair. Yeah, we are also at the team members designated smoking area now, according to this sign. So oh. this is very much not a used area. I think this is just staff parking. The building that's now next to us is completely new. I do wonder whether there are any uh, George Elliott fan favourites who come here a bit like us just to poke around the old outbuildings. There must be sometimes. It's such a... It's such an important building to her life. It's not like she just visited here or anything. No, <laughs> lived here for decades. Okay, we're going to be super careful because that has propane tanks in it. Um, yeah, there's a pretty archway between the two outbuildings. That's what we're looking at right now. Yeah, it does make me wonder what this looked like originally because in the official 1960s photos before the Premier Inn took over in the 1980s, there's only pictures at the front of the house because that was obviously what they were putting onto the listing. There aren't any pictures of what this looked like before. Turning round, we sort of saw the archway, quite a, a nice little archway with a sort of alcove, which has the, the plaque of George Eliot above it. And it does look that this was actually the front of the house. Yeah, it does. I think this was probably the front door originally. Now it just looks like... It's not a used door at all, but it's quite picturesque. It really is, because I think that, you know, the wall was there partially for, like, a drive almost. It gives you a little bit of space between ourselves and the outbuildings, which actually now we've had a little bit of a poke around that quite extensive. Yeah, they do. So, actually, I think if we walk uh, around the other side of the outbuildings, not towards the bins where we just are, <laughs> <laughs> we might actually see some more of, of this. Probably in a similar state of disrepair to the rest. Also, apologies for the background noise, but the road is really loud. Here. And there's a car, so there's also that. Trying to get run over. Although it's 
slightly falling down. There is something really pretty about the outbuildings with the ivy overgrowing them and, and the slate roof kind of sagging in the middle. I agree. It does look incredibly picturesque. And it does make more sense now why they were so insistent on not locking them down because they thought, is it really worth it in many senses if the outbuildings, because in my mind, I'd imagine them as much smaller. Yeah, I had as well. I thought there was perhaps maybe, you know, one outbuilding that they wanted to knock down because it would allow them to have a much bigger space. But actually, it looks like they're huge. It, yeah, it looks extensive, which does track his farmland. Yeah, and actually, just for the sake of people who can't see this now, we are about to get back onto the road here. So, so there is no way of walking around the outbuildings. But we're going to have a little bit of a poke because we're yeah, at least within the, <laughs> the BP to grounds. But if we um, go out onto the main road, maybe. Yeah, there's no path. Oh, and the post box. <laughs> there is a post box, but there's no path anymore. <laughs> well, I was also trying to figure out which way the house originally faced, because her very first school, Dame School, was literally opposite the house. Yeah. Now, so actually, I, I think, think it would be there. Yeah. So as you're coming out of the exit of the deep eater, there's a big field opposite. I think it probably would have been there. Yes. I mean, the, the four places that she was schooled around here, none of the buildings have survived. No. Although that does look old. That does. There's a, a small house that does look like it's, it's quite old. We, okay, we can't actually get round to the other outbuildings. This looks like it's somebody else's property. Nevertheless, we can, we can poke. We can stand here and look. <laughs> And yeah, I'd be very surprised if this isn't part of the original building because it does look like it's attached to one of the outbuildings that is part of the bee feeder. Yes, that large one definitely is, um, which is interesting to see so many uh, construction elements here. Yeah. Knowing that, you know, construction hasn't been, been active here because, of course, uh, they decided not to. Yeah, this does look a little like it's a place that... Um, the materials are being stored because yes. there is a, a larger kind of metal metal clad building next to us here again <laughs> starting to feel very not not victorian not elliot like all i was going to say was um i think it would be really interesting if this was ever restored to have someone who is obviously sort of an expert in i suppose yeah. farmland because there's so many different outbuildings i would be curious to know which building was used for what. And it would be yeah. great if they could restore it. Not just a, a question of making it look prettier or setting up, um, you know, a visitor centre mm. or fancy boards. I think that they are going to have to get um, some experts of, I suppose, Victorian masonry yeah. and architecture to Absolutely. come in. It does look like there's a nice walking path. Would to, you uh, like to have a walk? Here? Yeah, let's go for a... A walk. <laughs> Let's be nosy. It can be great. We'll go for a walk, and then once we finish with our walk, we'll pop back into the beef eater. We'll check out the flagstones. Very pretty bird noises now <laughs> as we're getting further away from the road. So although this is properly paved, it. Oh, 
as we're walking down this path, a horse has just peeked out of the through this. The horse is oh, here. They're little ponies. They're so cute. Oh my. Trying to get a good shot of this pony without disturbing it too much. Hello, friend. It's interesting to think that, I mean, obviously this is sort of a paved space, um, but it is interesting to imagine that, you know, even if this isn't exactly a street or a path that Elliot might have walked down, we're at least close to where she would have been yeah. walking around. There are tons of blackberries growing down here. Obviously, it's not the right time of year for them, but I wonder whether there were loads of blackberries for Elliot as well. This is pretty. There oh, are loads of picturesque. Oh, there's thistles. That's my one outdoorsy thing. There is a thistle. <laughs> For those of you who listen to the podcast regularly, you'll know I had to at least learn some flowers and plants for the Secret Language of Flowers episode that we did in May. <laughs> yeah. I wonder whether Elliot ever picked some uh, flowers with secret messages. It would be strange to think of George Eliot trying to traverse this space now and how different it would have been from her own time. Yeah. Even in just sort of small things that we take for granted, like the noise. Horses like. have definitely been along this trail. <laughs> Guess how we know, listeners. <laughs> we need to keep the count of how many episodes we mentioned horse poop. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's a new secret bingo that I guess we and our <laughs> listeners will have. So we just got back from actually going inside Griff House. Yeah. Oh, and it was lovely. It was. We spent so much time in the outbuildings. <laughs> when we first walked in there, um, I kind of thought, are the original features going to be visible right now? Because yeah. we had read that the original flagstones were going to be there. But as you walk in through the entrance of the actual beef eater, there's nothing, um, like, nothing original. Nothing obviously kind of Victorian or yeah. Elliot or anything. Yeah. Uh, but we were lucky enough to meet a very nice uh, man called Chris who showed us the part of the beef eater that is actually original and opened up the door, which was Elliot's front door for us, so we could go yeah. in and out of that. Yeah, so we got to um, you know, walk in and outside of Elliot's front door around the original flagstones and look at the original fire and at least have that little piece of sort of connecting with George Eliot's history, yeah. which was great. So many thanks to Chris. Yeah, absolutely. And also really nice to hear that they, at least from their perspective, are very confident that the outbuildings yeah. are going to become a visitor centre in the near future, it sounded like. Yeah, yeah, just some COVID delays, according to our man on the inside, Chris. Yeah. And um, luckily, apparently, he's happy to go to the VIP experience for next time as well. <laughs> yeah, so it's... Uh, for all of the those bits that we saw and we said there was such a, a kind of charm about it, a prettiness about it, and they yeah. do still feel special. So it will be really nice for that to be kind of put put back to, to good use for yeah. people to actually kind of experience that, um, the, the space as Elliot's house. Yeah, and like so much of the beefy to paraphernalia that we were looking at as we we, we stopped for a quick drink. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, also try the iced coffee. <laughs> oh, the iced coffees there were brilliant. Um, so yeah, there's so much cow paraphernalia. It kind of <laughs> connects up with the with the outbuilding. So there's yeah. kind of a, a through theme with that as well, yeah. which would be nice. But yes, yeah, so the flagstone floor that we were looking at, because I had seen 
um, on my on my forays into researching about this, everyone mentions that the flagstones are original. Weirdly, they don't mention the fireplace at the door, which we found very exciting. Yeah. Um, but yes, the flagstone floor is meant to um, have been one of the pieces of inspiration for Dorcott Mill from Mill on the Floss, which was lovely. Um, and just as we leave this like incredibly picturesque place, uh, we wanted to reflect on some of Eliot's words and impressions and think about how the novelist grew up in quoting. Among the midland villages and markets, along the tree-studded hedgerows, and where the heavy barges seem in the distance to float mysteriously among the rushes and the feathered grass. Hmm. It's so pretty. And it is a, a very pretty place. I mean, I don't know whether, again, people can hear very much background noise going on, but the road is quite noisy. It is very close to us, but, yes. <laughs> but that being said, it does, there is definitely an atmosphere here that's worth, worth seeing even before the visitor centre's finished, I think. You, yes. just, you do have to kind of skirt around the edge um, and, and look for it. But I was expecting there to be less Elliot here honestly when I yeah. found out that it was a beef eater and a premier in I thought we might be able to see a bit of the outside of what the building would have looked like for Elliot but I was literally just thinking stones I was like yeah. I just look at stones on a floor and just take what I can get <laughs> but no it's been a really really nice experience and next we're going to go hopefully just about 10 minutes away to yeah. the Nanita Museum and Art Gallery where there is an Elliot exhibition okay so, unfortunately, on editing this video, we realised that the sound we recorded while at the museum had some issues. So, we're recording this after we got home um, and just hopefully going to give you a bit of an idea of what we did see at the museum and, and what it was like. Yeah. So, what was your impression of the museum? I just thought it was such a lovely little museum. I thought it was a really, really nice space. So when you go in, there's that small space for the receptionist and they've got the little shop up front as well. Um, that's also good because if you're just nipping in for some George Eliot paraphernalia, you can pick up a postcard or pick up one of their little walking tour booklets. Yeah, and so it, it is really tiny, that, that little shop, but they do have some nice things. And actually, the thing that I thought was the nicest when we first went in is it was just really friendly. Like, it's just had a really kind of welcoming... Um, a welcoming vibe to it. The woman at the desk was lovely. There were... There was a... Lovely. There was a woman with a small child in there who was just immediately like, oh, you're going to love it. <laughs> so Yeah, it was, it was good. Yeah, and even before we got in, the surroundings of that museum are also really nice, aren't they? So we um, we walked through a park to get there because we drove past the museum without seeing a car park, but immediately did see a pay and display one just behind it. But actually, when we drove in, you can see the museum. It's like right next to you. So I think if there is one outside the museum, that's definitely a a good option. I think it was £1.50 for three hours to stay there as well. So it's not overly expensive. Yeah, it was good. And the exhibition is probably the easiest to get to. Um, yeah. You know, as soon as you walk through the doors, you see the shop straight ahead, receptionist to the left, and to the right is the opening to the Elliot exhibition that sort of takes up, I'd say, about half of the ground floor of the museum. Yeah. And so 
you know, when you enter, it's a, it's a really thick, it's, it's done in like some nice deep reds and some lovely sort of violet lavender purples as well, which I don't know why, that just feels like very Victorian colours to me. That and like arsenic green and china blue, I think those are the colours. Yes. Although we'll get to the green room afterwards, I guess, because yeah, that first yes. room, um, when you first go in, the immediately catching your eye, they have a Victorian dress on display, um, which we both were kind of like, oh wow, <laughs> as soon as we walked in there and and saw that. Yeah, yeah, I th- it was a Victorian dress that had been used in a local production play for a theatre so that was yeah. really, really nice to see sort it's of like your really, entrance space yeah it was just a really good kind of like setting the scene getting in your head kind of this is this is Elliot's time in which is you know guess what you want from the opening of the yeah. museum that first space it doesn't have as much it's quite it kind of really I really like the context of it though because as you say that dress it like sets the scene but because it's sort of the George Eliot and what they call the writing room space so they've got a writing desk where the writer in resident from the museum it's a copy of her desk and it was encouraging children to sort of write their own story and on the back wall it had that kind of the history of women writers all sort of knitted up together so of course we had my girl Jane Austen we had the Brontes, Elliot, Virginia Woolf so on and so forth so I think even though it was like quite a small space I think think that was really well thought out. Yeah it was and there was a good mix in there and we also found the best George Eliot masks in there to play with which if you've um if you're following us on on social media you will have seen nice example of so that was yeah. fun and actually it generally is just quite fun and friendly for kids as well isn't it I think extending that point that I was making that it's quite friendly when you go in you know the middle part of the exhibition behind the dress there were kind mm-hmm. of um word tiles for kids to play with and uh, the masks obviously there's the desk that you were talking about where you can write um, and there was a comfy chair as well with lots of Elliot books on a shelf next to it so you can just relax with some Elliot books. So well thought out because you know you had the writing desk in the corner in front of that set of books was the place that the kids could do the word games they also had um like a figure of a Victorian man and a Victorian woman to colour in and you could do sort of engravings there I think that it was really purposely put like that because you know if you're a parent you can then sort of sit down right in front of your kids while they're playing but sort of and they had um like loan copies of all of Elliot's work that you could literally just dip into and I thought that was really really nice because so often when you go to a museum they don't really have that that reading space and the the museums that I have been to that kind of offer you up the person's work I just really enjoy like the integration of being like this is also a space for you to get deep into the work itself and not just sort of the life and sort of the remnants that we have. Yeah, so almost not just the the history, not just this is a thing from that author's time, but this is also a, a celebration of the work that they did. And as you noticed as well, they it was um 
quite accessible. They had large print versions mm-hmm. as well uh, of the uh, the history file that we found. There was a large print version of that, wasn't there? Yeah, so they had a large print version of the text. They had a large print version of the files. They had a big plastic folder filled with large prints of a lot of the letters and museum clippings. They also had um, a separate pack hooked to the wall, which has the large print of all the display cards, because it can be a little bit tricky when you're sort of pressed up, leaning against the glass, trying desperately to read, you know, what number four is down the bottom. So that was really good as well. Yeah, just very friendly, very well thought out. And then when you walk into the second room, this is my favourite one, it has the most amazing green, dark green wallpaper and the velvet hangings. And it's, it, they've really made it feel very much like it's a, a fancy Victorian living room, uh, especially because in the corner there's a, a, a life-size model display um, d- depicting... Elliot and uh, and her, oh, what was his John yeah, Cross. What was her, yes, John Cross. That's the one, that's yeah. the name I was trying to think of. Yeah, so you've got Elliot sitting uh, in the armchair with John Cross next to her in the armchair, and then Lou's standing behind her chair. Um, and yeah, in this very very Victorian style room, which then has a lot more stuff in display cases. Like we got to see um, some of her clothes. There was like a mantilla lace that belonged to her, her sewing kit, very like nice personal things. Some of her furniture. Carved mirror in particular was gorgeous. Yeah, so pretty. And yeah. I think one of the things we... you commented on at the time was it's interesting that they'd hung illustrations from Romola over the walls. Well... What I was going to say, what was one thing that we commented at the time that was interesting, that was an aside, that we might have uh, foregone our listeners from hearing because that recording was lost to time. But I remember when we looked at the lace, I turned around to you and I I said, do you think there's any cells left of Elliot that we could clone? Oh, yes, you did. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But that's dystopian going in the complete opposite direction back into historical (laughs) fiction yes lots of prints uh romola from the original cornhill magazine so those the ones with um the large engravings yeah and they were hung up all around the room as well yeah and they are lovely illustrations i mean like you said romola not necessarily her most famous work but they were they were impressive illustrations (laughs) for cornhill I really and the- well, yeah, I, I was sort of expecting middle March because hmm. you know sort of you always think of sort of the most famous one but I think it'll be really nice for the people who are super into Elliot to see that that kind of stuff sort of laid out yeah there were also objects from her father as well in the corner there was a um like a diary essentially wasn't there written by her father and um, it's open on a page where he was explaining going to visit somebody, kind of connected to characters, although I think that was in the first room, sort of um, making reference to the fact that this might be the kind of thing that she was looking at when she was inspired to write this character. Yeah, there were lots of halls and churches and lanes and like these these little, little details that sort of come into 
daily life that a lot of people sort of pinpointed a bit like when we went to go and see Griff House at the beginning and they were like we think that this very specific space was the inspiration for this very specific space in her work as well yeah and you know by the time we finished there it was kind of I think about 2 p.m and both of us were really hungry <laughs> and so we we had to Mish. move on but we didn't look at all upstairs which had all of the art up there and if we went back again I definitely feel like it would be worth doing that it was a really nice space yes something that we might do for season two of all the year round because I mean it's how we started this section. It's how I'd like to end it, which was I would like to go and grab one of those local walking maps because that one didn't so much focus on the bigger things or the most recognisable things of Elliot. So obviously the museum is fairly recognisable. Arbury Estate, very recognisable because, you know, it's got South Farm on its estate as the place that, you know, Elliot grew up in her earliest years. The reason I was so interested in that was because it's got a map of basically local streets of places that are kind of imbibed with Elliot, like places that she'd been or places that would have been familiar to her. Just a really like local kind of grassroots level stuff that if you weren't from Nuneaton or if you weren't like a very hardcore Elliot fan, you might not know existed. So I think next time I'd really like to go and do that. Yeah. We absolutely should. But if this were the end of the, um, of the museum part of our road trip, we would now be telling you that we are about to go to Astley Book Farm. Well, in a way, because we're doing the edits, we are. Yes, that's true. We're going to relive it with so, you. Back to the actual day. So you just come out of Astley Book Farm. What did you think? It's massive. It's truly huge. <laughs> For something that's off like a short, sharp turn in the middle yeah. of the countryside. Because I remember you telling me about it before. And I was imagining like one like solid, single, like almost rectangular barn, like maybe two floors, but like big. I was not expecting like the twisting, winding, all these different like sections of it. And it, it's really <laughs> lovely. It's like a labyrinth of books, one of my favourite places to visit. Yeah. And they also have the best cafe. So we just had oh. a lovely lunch. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. <laughs> Unfortunately, we didn't quite have time for coffee and cake. Just move for now that it's really good. <laughs> and we'll be back. Yeah, yeah. No, the, the lunch was really amazing. They We had like um like a hot pork sandwich with applesauce and gravy and stuffing and mm. roast potatoes and it all came out like really quickly it's gorgeous yeah I could use a pick-me-up coffee but we'll we'll plow on through <laughs> um yeah there's we went to go and visit well one of the reasons we're here if you're wondering this is not just a random stop off for us we're here because it has a little george elliott section it does dedicated space for it yeah so they have the um the kind of poster up for mm. for Elliot Country and mm. um and lots of not just Elliot's books but kind of books by critics about Elliot yeah. and some of the copies of the Elliot Review and things like that so yeah definitely a place to look out for um it's got a huge range as well so not just subjects but in terms of the price point so they've got some they've got a whole little shed full of just cheap 50 pence ones they've got ones that are sort of in the reasonable kind of um the penguin 
sections as yeah. well. And they've also got some uh, first editions of various things as well. Um, so we did have to prime me away from a North and South copy, a first edition of North and South that was going for 995 So <laughs> no matter what your price point is, I'm sure you can have fun at Astley Book Farm. Yeah. But now, looking out over the beautiful Warwickshire countryside, onto our behalf. Our final stop of our first tour of Elliot country. See that? Here we are currently as close as we could get <laughs> to Arbury Hall. It's really not open very often. So if you actually want to be able to go in there, you have to go on a bank holiday weekend. Mm -hmm. I think it's open four times a year. There is yes. actually a cafe, even though it's open only four times a year. But um, yeah, so if you don't go on a day when it's open, you literally can't see it. We were kind of hoping that you would at least be able to see it a bit from the road or from a path. Um, but we spent a while driving around the kind this of huge estate. estate. Yeah, and you just, you can't. Everywhere you go is just sort of blocked off. You can see the um, the kind of gateway into it. But as soon as you pass under the archway, there are just big signs saying, you know, it's private, you can't stop here. So we actually decided to drive to Arbury Castle instead, which is very pretty. It's very Astley nice. Castle. Astley Castle, sorry. <laughs> not Arbury Castle. It's That's not the thing. That's why it's confusing, because it's Astley Castle in uh, Astley, which is bordering the Arbury estate. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it is literally bordering it. So yeah. when you go up to the castle, if you look out to your right, you can yeah. kind of see, uh, kind of in the distance, see the grounds of the estate. Yes. Um, yeah. So it's it's definitely worth visiting here because it is lovely. And I mean, the, the castle's obviously far, far older than Elliot, but maybe, maybe she might have yeah. visited. And we technically stood on the Arbury estate using the Landmark Trust rescuing buildings right of way. So we could not see Arbury estate, the house, but we were technically on the sort Arbury of, estate sort of land. Yes. <laughs> Right, yeah. So uh, that that's pretty much as close as we can get, yeah. which is kind of a shame because on the estate is the cottage where Elliot was actually born at South Farm. Um, but yeah, there's absolutely no way you can get near that unless you go on one of the specific tour days. Yeah, that's something to do for the future. Yes, until we can come back. <laughs> and, uh, once in a blue moon, when we're both free, and it's also a bank holiday, and yes. we can also book an advanced situation. Yes, exactly. But yes, I think um, <laughs> kind of a fitting wrap-up, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, this was an experiment. Yeah. Yeah. So now back to Leicester. Yes. Drop me off back home. <laughs> yeah, after eight hours on the road. <laughs> eight hours at Elliot. That yes. sounds like a good title. <laughs> yes. <laughs> For our next episode of All the Year Round, we are visiting Symington's factory in Market Harborough, which is a fascinating collection of corsets from the 19th century. We hope to see you then.